up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 70 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I speak about how great of an era we're in for stand-up comedy. I recently watched Jim Norton's Mouthful of Shame, Dave Chappelle's Collection 1 and 2, I believe that's what they're called, Mike Birbiglia's Thank God for Jokes, Amy Schumer's The Leather Special, and Gerard Carmichael's Love at the Store. I revisit the book I'm currently reading, The Magic of Thinking Big, which I spoke about in the last episode. And I speak about training for the Five Borough Cycling Marathon, as well as building a PVC fence with my brother. Lastly, I read the Spun Today questionnaire response filled out by fellow writer Elaine Miss Montana Almonte. Ah. All right, folks. If any of that is stuff that you think you might be interested in, uh, obviously stick around. I'm trying to squeeze in at least half of this recording in the morning uh, before work. And then whatever I can get to by the time I need to start getting ready to go to work, I'll finish off uh, later on in the day. It's been a, a pretty busy week, so wasn't able to record this weekend and um today is wednesday actually so you guys be hearing this shit tomorrow all right so stand up comedy i don't know if it's because i'm more into it because i'm so big on podcasts and podcasts are a big avenue for comedians or a big a big uh comedians have a very big footprint on podcasts i think they've been a large part of what has driven the popularity behind them and uh they use it as a as part of their business model for if you want to call that business model for uh stand-up comedy the idea being that you create a cult following by having a podcast like i have you half a dozen listeners for example and um they are the same group of people that uh, go to your stand-up shows and uh, you know it snowballs from there back in the day before uh, podcasts the way that comedians would would uh, advertise their their gigs uh, while they're you know touring the country and stuff like that is by doing morning radio and podcasts have at least the popular ones have since like blown that out of the water and the necessity to do that those like four five six a.m. Uh, morning radio shows to promote their gigs they just mention on their podcast and then you obviously have social media and you know the whole nine technology has facilitated a lot of things but podcasts are definitely um a big part of that equation for them so i don't know if it's by virtue of the fact that i'm so into podcasts that i listen to so many different comedians either on a podcast that i listen to or i listen to their own podcasts that they that they have uh, like the Joe Rogan Experience, like Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank, like Duncan Trussell's Family Hour, like Joey Diaz's The Church of What's Happening Now, like Steve Simone's Good Times, and so on and so forth. And a lot of these comics, obviously they're friends with other comics, uh, you know, they work within the same world, and they interview a bunch of comics. So I hear about like specials that are coming out and stuff like that, and um, and I watch them. You know, if, they, if it's a comic that I like or or they sound like they have an interesting point of view, 
I like watching stand comedy. It's a it's a dope pastime. And um, since the last recording, I've seen a bunch of them. But anyway, I don't know if it's by virtue of like I was saying of the fact that I listen to so many podcasts that I'm so much more into stand up comedy now, or if it's just that it's so much better now. And I think that's actually part of it. Not necessarily that it wasn't as good like back in the day, because you know my like my all time favorite uh, comic is George Carlin. Obviously, Richard Pryor is a very high regard, and and the Eddie Murphys and the Bill Hickses and Sam Kinnison's. The list goes on and on and on, right? There's always people pushing it. There's always people doing things at a higher level. And now the only difference, at least to me, and again, I'm no, um, I'm just a comedy fan. I'm not a, a comedic historian. So don't take uh, my word for it. Just take it with a grain of salt. But for me, the way it seems is that now there's so many people pushing it, but there's so many more. <clears throat> like really good comics because all the comics that were coming up that were inspired by all these guys are are more plentiful you know they were they're now like deep in the trenches of comedy like a jim norton for example which is like a 25 year comic now you know like he has to be good no matter how bad he is well you know maybe not but after 25 years of doing something you're gonna be pretty fucking proficient at it at the very least i think as long as you know you've had that stick to itiveness and you stuck with it and you grinded it out and and you actually worked at it stay tuned for the award-winning pulitzer prize new york times best-selling amazon bestseller novel by tony ortiz in about 2045 let me stop um but you have all these comics that are like deep into it and and that were all like inspired by that by that older older uh, generation or older school of, of comics and then things like podcasts and and technology have just uh facilitated the the grind a bit um at least the the part that a lot of comics have have trouble with which is um like self-promotion and stuff like that which we we all probably have a little bit of that and you know they don't have to worry about doing all that type of shit so but they still you know bust their asses like comics are really hard-working people like they which is weird probably for a comic to hear because from a comics perspective i believe that they don't think they're as hard-working in terms of what us civilians consider hard work which is waking up at waking up early in the morning to go to work if you have a hobby waking up that much more earlier to do to work on that hobby a bit and um then go to work you know deal with an hour hour or two of commuting to work work at a at a job that you don't love then deal with another hour hour and a half of commuting on the way back etc etc versus that portion of it which is for a comic you know waking up at 10 11 um noon every day not having to wake up for for day job if they are um successful enough at standard comedy if they put in you know their five to ten years or whatever it is um on average to to be able to live off of their stand-up comedy or at least pay their bills a bit and they so in that sense it's not as hard but then you know they're flying you know 300 days a year um traveling the country touring doing gigs doing road gigs doing multiple spots a night 
work on Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, you know, during the week, you know, uh, doing their like workout spots and stuff like that. And, you know, it's a grind. It's definitely a fucking grind. It's a hard ass fucking job, in my opinion. And again, that comes from somebody who's never done stand up comedy a day in, in his life and hates the idea of like public speaking and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> definitely take that with a grain of salt. But whatever, that's my take on it as a fan and from the outside looking in. So that said, I saw Jim Norton's special, Mouthful of Shame. And like I said, Jim Norton's a long time, 20 or 25 year comic. He is his style of comedy. The way I would describe it is, is, I want to say raunchy, but I don't think, like, I would consider, like, a Joy Diaz more raunchy and, and gregarious, but Jim Norton is, like, filthy. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, that's an appropriate way to, to, to couch his, his style of comedy. Like, he speaks about being into, like, trannies and just being a pervert generally and like that's like the stuff that he's like known for or whatever he has a very famous radio show or, ha- or was on for years um the open anthony show and on Sirius, and um since then when uh one of the main uh co-hosts uh anthony cumia got into a like a spat on on with a lady in times square actually he started tweeting about it and people were saying that he's racist because she was like a black lady and and he was just speaking about how she attacked him and you know he said some questionable shit pretty much uh serious guy candom and um then it was opie from opie and anthony with jim norton that continued the show i believe for a year maybe or something like that and since then now uh jim is doing a, a different show and as well as a podcast that he does with uh, Matt Sarah from the UFC, because he Jim Norton's also into like UFC and stuff like that. And they they uh, it's actually a podcast that's within the UFC umbrella, like the official umbrella, like UFC puts it out, or like produces it or whatever, which is pretty dope. Again, to have these like big entities starting to to follow the trend. But not fucking with it to the point of how, like, station heads fuck with TV shows and stuff like that for, like, major networks. Um, They just put up the dollars and let the podcast be what they are, which is why they have such an allure. Because there's no rules. Because it's do whatever you feel, do whatever you like, do whatever it is that you're into. And people that are into the same type of shit that you're into will gravitate towards you eventually. Um... Or you re- you realize that you're pretty fucking eclectic and into fucking odd shit that nobody likes. <laughs> One of the two. Um, but yeah, Jim Norton, he, he's a funny fuck. He's a very polished, very, very poised within his craft. And um, I had a good time watching, watching this special. Dave Chappelle's Collection 1 and 2. I believe those are the official names for it. Like, for example, Jim Norton's was Mouthful of Shame. Uh, Dave Chappelle has a three comedy special contract with netflix but jim, jim norton's special is also on netflix by the way if anybody wants to check it out but dave chappelle's um dave chappelle has a three stand-up contract with netflix 
for $60 million, if I'm not mistaken. And for those of you that remember about a decade ago, Dave Chappelle walked away from one of the most popular sketch shows in TV history, I believe, from uh, Comedy Central. And that he did season one and two. And he um, was offered a third season for $50 million, And he walked away from it. It was like the stress and the pressure. And he just wanted something else. And people thought he was nuts. And how the fuck could you give away $50 million? And I admire that so much of what he did. Um, that he did that. That he was like true to himself. Like it doesn't matter. Just stay true to yourself. Everything else is 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 extra. And it that extra just comes in different forms. This time it was the form of a $50 million offer, which most people would be like, eh, I'll do anything for that. And um, uh, I've seen a few interviews with him where he clarifies like why he did it and stuff like that. And, and maybe I'll link to, to like a good one in the episode notes. Um, so you guys can get, get an idea for that. Let me jot that down, actually. And it's almost as if the the universe you know karma or whatever you want to call it um paid him back for that now he has a 60 million dollar deal doing something that he loves that he never really stopped doing and it is his first uh special in a very long time but he was still touring he was still doing like random shows like in the park and stuff like that with like a loudspeaker and Stuff like that. He took a uh, bit of a hiatus after he left the the Comedy Central show, and um, uh, about a decade ago, and he went to like Africa, South Africa, for some time. <clears throat> and and during that time, like he didn't do uh, stand up comedy for a while. I believe he he speaks about this in in one of the interviews that, that I'm thinking about. And um, then he got back to it. And started touring again and shit like that. And and he has a, a fucking three, three deal special worth $60 million with Netflix. The first two released simultaneously, which was interesting. Um, I think that's the first time somebody's done that. The first time that I've seen it. And if somebody's going to do that, it would make sense. There's Dave Chappelle. You know, he's one of the all-time greats, hands down. One of my favorites of all time. And, um, he just has that, that he has that it factor as a, as a comic like that. Just looking at him, he's funny. Just hearing him talk and saying something that's not funny is funny. So then, and then on top of that, he's funny. So when he's funny, he's like double funny. You know what I mean? And, um, such a smart guy by, by, um, basing that on uh, different interviews as well as, the interviews of other uh, comics that I consider to be like highly intelligent people. Maybe not across the board, but I, I just like the mind of a comedian. Like the, the way their mind works, the way they see things, the way they're able to see things at different angles. Um, I appreciate that. Like I, 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 that's what, that's another reason why I gravitate towards stand up comedy because like their takes and on, on things and, and it's all about the angles. It's all about the, like the way they approach a topic. That's that's dope and fascinating to me, and I like to see that um, from comics. And Dave Chappelle is one of the best at at doing that.
taking you down unexpected twists and turns and making it entertaining and funny all at the same time. But yeah, he released these two specials at the same time. Um, maybe it was, uh, you know, catch up kind of in a way, you know, since he hasn't released one in a long time. Or uh, just to get two out of the way and, and focus that much more on the third that he has uh, on the contract with Netflix. And who knows? But the first one was fucking hilarious. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first one more than the second one. But the second one was super funny as well because it's Dave Chappelle. So even even if it was bad, which it was not, I'm not saying it was bad, but even if it was bad, it would still be good because it's Dave Chappelle uh, type of thing. But this one is legitimately um, good as well, the second one. But the first one, to me, um, was my favorite. And I've heard the same thing from, from a couple different people. So definitely check it out. Um, I believe it's just called... It's on Netflix, obviously. Um, I believe it's just called Collection 1 and Collection 2. If Whatever. You just search Dave Chappelle's name, it'll pop up. The next stand-up special that I saw was Mike Birbiglia's Thank God for Jokes. Now, Mike Birbiglia is a cool cat. I, I've heard him on several podcasts um, back when he was promoting his movie sleepwalk with me it was like a mockumentary not a mockumentary i don't know what it would be called it was like half movie half documentary it was like when he's like really telling the i guess like a reenactment of his life um and his uh debilitating uh uh, sleeping disorder i know i mentioned it to you guys in the past in a previous episode probably way back when and so i'm not gonna deep dive into into it but it was a it was a, a cool movie called sleepwalk with me where he speaks about um his sleeping disorder and stuff like that and and he's also in orange is the new black uh, which is another netflix show actually and i saw i think this is his first stand-up special that i saw and i really enjoyed it it was funny it was um actually the sleepwalk with me movie it depicts his his struggles with you know, both the sleepwalking thing and also trying to be a stand-up comic and, and, you know, just his life in general. And um, this one was really funny. I enjoyed it. He's definitely a, a talented dude. And, and again, he has his, his... All these comics have, like, their own takes and perspectives on, on, on things, obviously. Everybody does, right? But the way that they, they work at it and piece it together and, and write for their comedy... Like the way they 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 write is just awesome to me. It's almost as if with all these like top tier comics, it's almost as if, as if you can see the dedication to the craft. You can see the hard work that goes into it. You know how how most people like they'll see a special or a stand up special or something like that, and and think for some odd reason that that a comic. Um, you know, well, he just went on stage, grabbed the mic and spoke for an hour and he happened to be funny. Uh, anybody could do that, like type of thing, you know what I mean? But they don't see the years, year plus, two years, three years worth of work that goes into that one hour special. Um, I see that hard work. Maybe again, it's because of the fact that I'm exposed to so much, uh, comedians and, and, you know, they're quote behind the scenes type shit with how open they are uh, on podcasts and speaking about their craft and stuff like that so i know that they 
do 15 minute sets, you know, five or six times a week um, to work out sets to go try a joke and see if it works and then change a word here and, and, you know, change one word within the whole thing to punch it up a little bit and then try it the next night and, you know, continuously try it and try it in different cities and see if it works, in, if it works in New York, see if it works in Kansas and, and, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, write for hours on end when they are writing, um, their actual material and, and, and just working on it and tweaking it and for like a year or two years and to then polish and put together this stand-up special that you're enjoying that some people take for granted as oh it's just an hour's worth of talking and i personally am able to see it on these like top tier comics like like i see that grind and that grind is what i appreciate personally and it's that much more like awe-inspiring with guys like like um like any of these guys jim norton dave Chappelle, michael bigler that do other things like you know, produce and and direct movies and star movies or or you know have other shows. You know, it's not just stand up. Um, one of the most prolific at doing other shit is like a Joe Rogan, who's a UFC commentator. He's uh you know a husband and a father who's supposedly, by all accounts and purposes, always 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 there for for his kids and family and always always with them. No matter how much shit he has going on, um, he's a UFC commentator, probably the best uh, MMA commentator ever of all time. Definitely a pioneer of the sport. He was on a couple of TV shows that went into syndication. He has one of the best podcasts on the net that he produces, you know, two to four episodes per week, each of which is three hours long. He's a hunter. A martial artist he you know like he does mad shit um and still you know hones his uh comedy craft uh, it's just uh fucking inspiring many people like that that grind like that um and what else we have amy schumer's the leather special i've seen a couple of other amy probably all of amy schumer's like uh specials I've enjoyed all of them, even like that big controversial one, which was the one before this one, if I'm not mistaken, where um, she was accused of joke stealing. And uh, like when that special came out, um, as well as like through her show, which her show, you know, I've gone into this in the past, so I'm not going to delve on it, but her, her, her sketch, she has a sketch show inside Amy Schumer. And, you know, there's a bunch of other comics that write on the show and a bunch of other people in general that write on the show. So you can't really like pin the joke stealing on her, uh, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with her. It's her show. It's her name on it. So it's like, um, you know, a little hazy, weird, gray area. Um, and then, well, like with the stand-up comedy, there were like bits that were eerily similar to to like a Patrice O'Neill's and and stuff like that, and um, very questionable. So. But she never struck me as, as, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't see that intentional, like, could be naive, you know, maybe fucking fame got to her head and she wanted to, like, live up to something, but, because uh, she got, like, so famous so quick, and, um, um, but she was definitely, obviously, like, talented before that, so I don't know, I don't know, I, I just personally never saw it as, 
I never pegged her as like a joke thief and and I guess the jury's still out, but you know, she's still grinding. That that part I appreciate the most out of her special. Um, because again I said I see I've seen uh all her specials and they were all really good, really funny, really enjoyed them. Um this last one I think was a little weaker to me. And but what I do appreciate so much more um from the special besides like the content of the special itself is that she was able to like grind past that that controversy very very big controversy it's like the worst thing you could you could do is label a comic as a like a joke thief or something like that um and she's gotten through that and put on another special she's still working you know she still has her show still still grinding so i appreciate that grind jury's still out on all the other shit um and the special was was okay and lastly in terms of the stand-up uh gerard carmichael's love at the store Gerard Carmichael is another one of the uh, like up-and-coming comics who's been doing it. I, f- uh, I don't know exactly for how long. I want to say five to ten years, like within that range. He's a younger dude. Um, heard him on, I believe, Mark Maron's podcast. I'm promoting this special, and I it was really good, really funny. He's like uh, like one of those uh, like Pete Davidson type comics that I've spoken about in the past that, you know, he's a younger up and coming comic, but that has the work ethic of these older comics and is willing to put in the work and, and grind and just have like a, has like a, a fresher, you know, younger, um, maybe not fresher, but just like a, a younger mentality or a different point of view, you know, coupled with that, um, that work ethic that's so necessary within this field and probably any field. But, um, uh, I like that. I like the fact that he filmed it at the comedy store, similar to how Ari Shafir did, you know, the comedy store is like the Mecca of, of stand-up comedy. And, uh, what else? And it was on HBO. He actually like broke the whole like Netflix, um, CISO type mold and did an HBO special, which it must be on a bucket list. Like if I was a comic, I would want an HBO special, I'd want a Comedy Central special, and then obviously Netflix and stuff like that because they're they're big into promoting stand-up comedy right now. But to me, it, it would seem like as a like as a wannabe writer, um, I want to have a New York Times bestseller. You know, even though like that doesn't mean much in those ways. To I mean, not that it doesn't mean much; it would mean a lot. But New York Times holler at me. But it's not like. Oh, you have a New York Times bestseller. You're, you know, a retired millionaire or something like that. Like, I think it's, it's a couple thousand books that you have to sell, and it, it just has to be within like, uh, publishing week, or something like that. Like with, I don't know, I don't know the exact numbers or like the algorithm that they use, but you know, it's like, for the sake of conversation, um you know, sell 2,000 books within the first uh, release week or something like that. And then you make the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, but there's there's issues with them not recognizing ebook format currently. Um, it's just like hard copy shit. So I guess that's where the difficulty that comes in a lot. Um, but then, you know, you could be an Amazon, uh, on the Amazon uh, bestseller list and stuff like that. But anyway, point is, if I was a comic, I would want an HBO Um special and he definitely checked that off his bucket list and it was funny as hell gerard carmichael 
I uh, uh, appreciate his style and his. He has like a very smooth kind of, which a lot of comics have, but I think he has it in spades. He has like a smooth, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do this my way and it's going to work my way eventually. And if it doesn't, whatever, it's still my way type of attitude or approach to comedy. At least that's what I like got from it. And um, I actually featured the episode, I believe it was WTF. Uh, but I actually featured the episode in the Midday Monday Boost Letter as a podcast of the week. Because there was some like dope creative shit that he mentioned um, within that episode. And if you guys want to check it out, feel free to go at go to uh, sponsor8.com forward slash subscribe. And there you can see like a history of the of previous um, of my newsletters. And, you know, you can check out like I write a little blurb whenever I recommend a a podcast or a video or whatever um, in my weekly newsletter and let you guys know like what resonated with me and why I liked it and why I'm, I'm saying that you guys should check it out. Um, so definitely check that out for more on that. And also, by the way, subscribe to the Midday Monday Boost Letter at sponsor.com forward slash subscribe. But yeah, he's like a, a creative and um, has that work ethic behind him. So I think he, like a Pete Davidson, would be a comic that's uh, going to be in it for the long haul. And that's it with all the stand-up comedy shit that I wanted to speak about. And I got to get ready for work. So upon my return, I'll finish this shit off. All right, speak to you guys in a bit. And I'm back from a long days of work. And um, uh, I feel like a fat fuck because I just had some Chinese food for dinner. But such is life, right? I need to indulge a bit. Or Mike is a lot, but... <laughs> Alrighty, let's continue this thing. The book that I mentioned to you guys last time, The Magic of Thinking Big. Um, I am almost done with it. And I have a follow-up to it. I, st- I still personally feel the same way towards it in terms of I feel the like the concepts from it are either known or like I feel that I don't want to say that they were like duh but it's um I guess certain like tips on how to maneuver and act and take advantage of opportunities and stuff like that within um, the workplace and other concepts, um, which are common throughout the, the book are, have to do with going for, you know, like chasing your dreams and, you know, going for what you want type of thing. And like I told you guys last time, I feel like I have taken in those concepts or those concepts were, uh, were presented in a way that were more palatable to me through books like like the war of art and tools and mastery and and books like that um but what i realized also is that like i was wondering why like why why i feel that way i was like you know playing devil's advocate with myself like questioning it and i arrived to the conclusion that it's more so because i feel that i learned a lot of this stuff while being on the job like while, you know, working, um, a corporate job. And 
like the place that I've been at now for uh, seven years. Prior to that, I worked at like little mom and pop um, real estate and mortgage shops. And then, you know, for years and then prior to that at uh, as a busboy and waiter and bartender, like, you know, throughout like high school and early college. So um, it is my my uh, first corporate job, but I've been there for seven years already. And I feel like a lot of this stuff, again, like I picked up by, you know, being on the job. Um, so that said, it's, you know, it's not, maybe it's not as palatable to me uh, this time around uh, certain concepts because I lean more towards, um, you know, grasping certain things from the creative side because I guess that's where, like, my interest is. And, however, if I had read this book prior to starting like my first corporate job then i think it would have been much more uh beneficial that said for anybody that is um you know had has just started or maybe a year or two into their first corporate gig and um or is about to like embark on that fucking rat race you definitely may find uh, this read useful. So I just wanted to give that a bit of follow-up uh, to it for anyone that may be interested. And the book again is called The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. All right, I've been training for the five-borough bike ride to balance out my Chinese food eating habits. <laughs> um, so I'm not the, the healthiest person in the world, obviously. You know, I've told you guys I have fucking high blood pressure now and shit like that at fucking 33 that I'm going to be in about a week and not hugely overweight but I am overweight and you know I don't exercise almost at all but (laughs) the and my eating habits could use some some uh, bettering one thing that I could say that I'm I guess, or that helps me, that's beneficial to me within that realm is the fact that I stay away from, from sugar, well, processed and like added sugar. Um, so in terms of like drinking, I literally only drink water, water, whiskey and coffee. So no sodas, no juices, no, no sugar in my coffee. I drink coffee black, um, and stuff like that. Um, but I do eat, like I would eat like breakfast cereals and, and from time to time and like cookies and like shit like that. So I definitely do get my sugar that way and carbs eventually break down into into sugars. So I'm getting enough sugar um, from other shit. Um, so I guess not too much to be proud of. Anyway, <laughs> back to the back to the point where I was going to pat myself on the back. So I do this, the uh, five borough bike ride, which I do once a year and I've mentioned it to you guys in the past. We skipped doing it last year because my boy Pablo backed out like a bitch. And I'm going to call him out on it because it was bad form. But we're back on track to do it this year. And in all fairness, he's the one that pushed me to do it every other one of the years that we've done it. Which is going on five now. I think this will be the fifth one. Or the fourth one. I think the fifth one. Anyway, so we're training for this thing, and by training, I mean we, um, the five borough, for those of you that don't know, is a once per year 
in the first Sunday of May uh, bike marathon throughout the five boroughs of New York City. And you get to hit all five boroughs. They close down certain streets, um, like like highways, you know, that would otherwise be full of traffic and cars and shit like that. Highways, um, bridges, tunnels, like shit like that. So it's pretty cool to go bike riding through like the FDR and cross the Verrazano Bridge on your bike and like stuff like that, like in the actual street, not just like on the bike paths. And it's like tens of thousands of people that do it. Um, and uh, it's a it's a dope experience. Like I, I really enjoy uh, bike riding, and because like a scenic route, you know, you get to see um, the city in a different way. So I highly recommend it for anybody who's into stuff like that. But um, it's, you know, the training up on until it is probably like the only exercise that I get. And the marathon is like 45 miles via bike. So it's not like chump change, like a smaller undertaking. But there's also like century marathons, which are literally like 100 mile fucking mar- bike marathons and like cross-country shit and you know s- you know sick sycophant shit that people that do that probably look at the fiber like whatever i do that before breakfast type of thing but for me that's my fucking big deal thing um there are also people that look at it like you know i can't bike half a mile um so whatever anyway the so we're training for it now currently it's april it's the first week of april and it's the first week of next month so we got a couple weeks left we've gone out already four times and the way we do it is that we try to hit different uh, bike paths throughout our training cycle we go out once a weekend either on a saturday or sunday depending on the weather and other shit that we have to do and uh like the first time out uh we did five miles then we we graduated up then we did 10 miles and the one after that we did like 12 uh last weekend we did 15 um we bike for anybody that's from new york we do like forest park we did a couple times we did bayside marina um we did the belt parkway last weekend and um next weekend we're gonna hit up central park um so you know we get to like see different tracks and stuff like that and do some exercise it's been cold as shit here in new york so so it was a bitch especially when we did bayside marina which we were like right next to the fucking water that's where that uh, bike path is and it was i don't even know fucking like 30 degrees or something like that outside uh but we got to get the reps in because we have to get up to the point where over the next uh, couple weeks that we could do the 40 miles uh easily you know the way we've done like in past years so i've been gearing up toward for that and I wanted to tell you guys about it. One day, about two weekends ago, not this past weekend, the weekend before that, my I have like a like a touch of OCD when it comes to certain things. So like if I say I'm gonna do something, um, like hell has to freeze over for me not to do it. Like that's my whole thing with you know releasing the podcast consistently every other Thursday. Um, at 9.37 a.m. And it, like, I want to keep that consistent. You know, the show must go on type of thing. Um, like, I have that with other with other things. So if I tell somebody I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time, you know, I'm there. And um, if I tell somebody they can count on me for something, 
Like I try to make it a point to like do shit like that, right? So we have like this training schedule like mapped out from now until the the marathon. And uh, my brother wanted to build a PVC fence at his crib and in the backyard. And a PVC, a PVC fence, for those of you guys that don't know, is like those white, those nice white, um, like pallet looking fences that people have in their front and backyards. And mind you, me and my brother have zero construction experience or anything like that. He was literally just watching like YouTube videos and said it didn't look that hard and we could figure it out. We could do it. And I told him definitely help him out with it. So the side of me that that has that necessity to check off shit for my to-do list and make sure like everything gets done um, has the bike ride training to do as well as the fence building now. And we, and normally I would like switch the bike riding to a different day or vice versa. But the other day was going to, I think it was going to rain. And it was also the day that we were celebrating my father's 77th birthday. So, um, it was a no-go. We couldn't switch, you know, either thing. So both had to happen in the day. So I woke up extra early. Normally I go like around 10 or 11 o'clock for the bike ride, uh, training. And I woke up like at seven and that's the, the weekend that I did like 12 miles in Forest Park. And then I was done. And at my brother's crib by, I want to say like 10.30 or definitely before 11, maybe like 10.15, 10.30, around there. And um, we did from, yeah, like 10.30, I was there. We did from 10.30, we worked on this fence and it was a long, grueling day, especially coming off of a 12-mile bike run. And it was... Um, a lot to do because we had to he had a old like uh, jingling fence and he did most of like ripping all that shit down there was still some parts that we had to take down which we did then there uh, pretty much wherever we were going to put the put up the fence it was dirt and uh, the cement wasn't too close by but in some cases it, it did like overlap and we had to do a little breaking of that or like rocks that we that we dug up. So we were using a shovel. Uh, he rented this like corkscrew looking jackhammer type thing that like digs the hole uh, deep in the dirt. And then a lot, it's like gas powered. And you could rent these things, by the way, at Home Depot, which is cool, which I didn't know. Like tools and shit like that that you can use for like one-off projects like this. So you don't have to like buy them, which makes total sense, right? Um... And like PVC fences have two ways uh, of doing them. The one way is putting them on like above ground, which you see in a lot of backyards that are like fully a cement. And um, all the other way is to dig them um, under the ground. So you have the posts of each uh, piece of the fence or each pallet of the fence um, dug into the ground. And or you dig a hole into the ground about three feet deep, you put the post in, and then you fill it up with cement, uh, like this fast drying cement thing. 
and you know make sure everything's leveled and all that shit um and it like dries up within half an hour and you're putting up the the rest of the pallet of the fence um which is eight feet like per pallet and then you put up another post um and then you put up the other eight feet where the fence and then you put up another post and you know you're doing the cement and you're doing this and that and making sure everything's level both like left to right and top to bottom type level and we spent like in digging and and just building a fucking fence we spent from i got there 10 30 my brother was already working on it for an hour or two before i got there and we finished and returned the the drill to home depot like at 8 30 at night so we were tired as fuck and especially the next day feeling i felt the most i think probably like tuesday of the following week when i was like at work in my cubicle like i got up to go to the bathroom and fucking just like sore as fuck and like a co-worker of mine was asking me like yo why are you limping <laughs> and it was sick but we did put up the fence it came out super dope it looks awesome super nice gives the whole yard like a like a different look and it was a cool experience you know just uh like chilling with my brother and like doing something like that like bonding and and building something that's gonna like probably outlast both of us you know it's kind of weird to think of that way but most likely will right i mean how often do you fucking change fences and um my pops helped out for a while also which was cool and it was just like us like together and shit so it was a a cool experience man and i'm super into you know that do-it-yourself type stuff and you know youtube shit (laughs) to do stuff don't go as far as like in andrew schultz um which says that he could do anything based on youtube that he could perform he's a comic for those of you that don't know and he has a podcast with Charlemagne the god and called the brilliant the brilliant idiots which has cool youtube clips that i like watching they just debate like random shit but he goes as far as saying that he could watch a YouTube video and perform brain surgery. It's like, don't know the, but I get the sentiment behind what you're saying. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, with technology and YouTube and shit like that, um, you could do a lot, man. And it's pretty dope. It's pretty cool. And lastly, uh, the questionnaire that I told you guys about. So Elaine, Miss Montana, Amante, is my best friend's kid sister and come to think of it she probably doesn't even know that i've ever referred to her as that because it's not like i would introduce her to someone and say hey best friend's kid sister this is so-and-so hey so-and-so this is my best friend's kid sister you know what i mean so it's not like something that she would probably hear so when she hears this she's probably gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about best friend's kid sister um but yeah it's like they got in you type of thing like i have referred to her as that in the past i don't even know when but i don't know probably like in passing like oh yeah that's my best friend's kid sister or whatever anyway which by the way i don't know why i would even call her that because she's um like a year younger than me <laughs> like a grown-ass woman but whatever um shout out to elaine ah she was kind enough to fill out the Spun Today questionnaire that is available to any of you folks, of you fine folks, to fill out if you are so inclined. And I will do the same exact thing that I'm doing now. And I'm going to share the responses to the those five questions, which are geared towards uh, creative types, as you guys will hear in a bit. 
And the point of it is to see someone else's perspective on how they approach something that they're passionate about. And sometimes you get, um, or I've gotten from these, uh, receiving and reading these questionnaires and sharing them, uh, tips such as, you know, wake up early and, and right before work and, you know, different apps to use like Evernote or, or day one, which is another uh, free app that's, that's, uh, pretty user friendly and, and like good for writing and stuff like that. And you just get a glimpse into somebody else's process, which I think is cool and inspiring. And it kind of like demystifies like the whole thing um, for other people, which is really important to me, which is the fucking catchphrase of the podcast, right? Like substitute the mysticism with hard work. And uh, I really appreciate whenever anybody decides to fill one of these out and definitely appreciate Elaine doing so. So. Let's uh, jump in and see what she had to say. Question number one is relating to your craft. Do you remember the first thing you ever wrote or created? Elaine responded, yes. A journal entry in fourth grade. My school gave all the girls journals for Christmas. That's so sexist. How about the guys? Now let me stop. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um... That reminds me of in seventh grade, we had something similar, not, you know, we didn't get like journals or anything like that. And it definitely wasn't the first thing I ever wrote, but the, my seventh grade English teacher, which, um, is part of the dedication section, a large part of the dedication section within, um, my book, Make Way For You, available now. Um, she made us write journals in class and she called them lit logs, short for literature logs. And it, I don't remember if it was daily or, or weekly or what it was, but we would write them. It would usually be based on something that we were reading in class. She would give us like feedback on it. And I remember like the feedback she would give me was just like so elaborate and she was like so into like whatever it was that I wrote and really liked the way I, I, I wrote and always gave me compliments and stuff like that, and and it, it's it's definitely uh, boosting um, to have that type of support from from a teacher or from a school and stuff like that. So it's pretty pretty dope that that uh, you got those journals in the fourth grade. Now this, the response to this question remind also reminds me something that I told myself that I was going to do after Daniele Bolelli's uh, response to to this question in a past questionnaire. And that is that the way I wrote the question was, do you remember, you know, the first thing you ever wrote? My assumption was in, in crafting that question, which clearly hasn't like permeate permeated is that people would say, Oh yes. And what I wrote was blah, blah, blah. Um, cause I would love to hear that part of it. So Elaine, tell me if you remember what it was they wrote. Hit me up and let me know. Um, and I, I definitely have to amend that question on the website. Watch me forget until the next questionnaire comes out. <laughs> All right. Question number two. What inspires you to write or create? Annie Lane wrote, people, stories, family bonds, things humans experience and think are unique to them. Pretty things, sad things. And I couldn't agree more. 
it's pretty much everything right like different experiences that you go through just life as life happens to you or in spite of you or whatever you absorb different sparks of inspiration i feel like that's common in in any writer that i've like followed or 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 heard of in in interviews and stuff like that their mind is always on in that way like it's always like in it's always receptive to the type of input that would spark an idea or inspiration so they tend to get it from anything from the way the plate was you know almost fell off the edge of the table or how angry the guy was in the train that was complaining about the train being stalled or how happy the little kid seemed that you know was walking down the hallway like anything um i like the whole the things human experience humans experience are you a humanist miss montana what about shady what about his experiences no let me stop (laughs) um question three what is a hobby that you have that is unrelated to your craft alien wrote decorating uh creating dessert tables for parties with specific themes i also like to watch luke cage iron first is it iron first or iron fist iron first the boondocks family guy and the magicians um i know eileen was into decorating i wasn't i didn't know she was into the whole um creating dessert tables parties and stuff like that which is pretty cool because actually my sister-in-law um is into that type of shit too you guys should i think you guys have met before um but yeah she's like heavy into that now so it'd be cool to like connect you two i guess um and she's learning how to make like dominican cakes and all types of shit like that the the decorating if i'm not mistaken elaine decorated for her father's uh retirement dinner that that we all went to uh which was dope and everything was was beautifully done and very very tasteful very elegant and modern slash bohemian-y um type of thing so it's really cool it's, it's like a different type of creative outlet um that's not just watching tv like everything else here on the list <laughs> um luke cage i heard is is dope i heard it's good and i gotta check that out i haven't heard of any of the other ones i think i've heard of the boondocks um but i'm not sure what that is uh family guy obviously i know what that is i watch it sometimes too my wife is into that and um yeah i haven't heard of the other ones all right next how do you get yourself to sit down and do your work when you're not motivated to? And Elaine responded, I don't. Herein lies my issue. And this is something, as she knows, that I've busted her chops about in the past. Not that I'm on some fucking, um, trying to sound like preachy or, or like be on my high horse, like, oh, I write and I'm the most consistent person ever and blah, blah, blah. Because I'm far from it. If you guys saw my, I tweet out, and and post on my patreon page the the amount that i write per month so i have a calendar right above my count my computer here and i every for every day i either put a check mark or an x mark all the check marks represent days that i've written 
all the X marks represent the days that I did not write. And I keep a ongoing tally. I've been doing this for about a year and a half for every month or probably two years for every month. I have like an Excel spreadsheet and I have everything like mapped out and broken down into percentages. And last month I wrote, and I'll give you guys an exact number on only 12 of the 31 days in March. So 12 days I wrote, 19 days I did not. That is a 38.7% completion rate in terms of the goal of you know trying to write every day. And so I'm far from perfect. So I'm definitely not coming from that type of, you know, do what I do type of thing. But I do come, I am coming from, I do get on her about it because like we've spoken about writing a lot in the past and, and and it's probably elaine's probably like one of the first people to ever like read anything that i wrote and we i remember we used to give each other like little writing assignments which was really cool for just to like exercise your writing muscle chops um just give you yourselves like a a task like a, a topic to write about and just write like little paragraphs or a short story or whatever like i remember a cool one that that she gave me was look at somebody on the train when you're commuting to work tomorrow and write something about them like write you know what you think their life is about or or where they're going or whatever and i wrote like a little like a mini short story about this kid that i saw on the train that looked like young probably like fresh out of high school or or maybe college and he had like a suit on and he looked nervous and i wrote this like whole little short story about him going to his first job interview and being nervous about it and how he was like all in his head and didn't even notice the girl next to him that was trying to flirt with him and like i made all this stuff up but it it like exercised that like writing muscle you know what i mean so we used to do like shit like that and like email it to each other and comment on each other on each other's stuff and and I really really like Elaine's writing I really enjoy it which is why I like tell her to write more often and stuff like that and um, the place that I am coming from is that like you know through you know creating this podcast and and setting setting certain goals writing goals like trying to write every day even though it's a lofty goal that I haven't hit yet I think my highest accuracy was like actually accuracy percentage was like 70 something percent of the days that I actually wrote um within a given month but just like setting those certain goals it's kind of like the whole aim for the moon and if you miss you land amongst the stars type of thing it's like you're taking steps in the direction at least you know you're not just not writing at all and um you have to make certain like practical tweaks I feel um, that definitely come in handy and what came in handy for me when I was, you know, struggling, trying to like either wait for inspiration to hit me to write, which never happened. And then, you know, writing at night when I was also trying to, uh, which I did for a long time, like just staying up late at like until like one, two, three in the morning and writing, um, and then I would feel the repercussions of that the next day. And I'd be just like, even more grouchy than I normally am with my fucking like grouchy persona and just like out of it and not feeling well and like stuff like that. And, and then I got the tip of a, a, another writer that 
filled out uh, this question in the past and he was like um that he wakes up at 5 30 in the morning you know he has a regular nine to five day job he wakes up at 5 30 in the morning writes for an hour or two and doing that for you know a couple years at a time and like in a dedicated way he like self-published like two or three novels or something like that and a lot of people start out that way joanna penn which has a successful podcast and has a very interesting business model which i would um which is a more realistic one to me to like uh, in terms of pursuing it like she has multiple revenue streams in terms of speaking engagements and podcasting and writing books and uh, she writes also both fiction and nonfiction, which I try to do. And um, like she worked a a day job for six years while simultaneously doing a podcast and writing books before she was able to generate enough from um, the writing books and podcasting and and you know her her authorpreneur I think it is that she calls it or some like marketing word like that um before she was able to like quit her job and just live off of that like full-time and then eventually her husband was able to quit his job and help her with her business and it's something that that snowballs over time or that could snowball over time but it definitely won't if you just don't like put in that work or make that decision and it was like one probably one of the hardest decisions like for my lazy ass because i can't wake up for shit in the mornings at all especially while i was in that rut of you know going to sleep mad late if i'm going to sleep like at two three in the morning like trying to writing and then trying to make that switch to okay tomorrow i'll wake up at 5 30 and then from there i'll start and it's like nah shit won't happen that way like i had to spend a couple weeks of like forcing myself because then i'm like wired at night and i can't like go to sleep that easily so it took like weeks of like trying to force myself to go to sleep at at 12 and then 11 and then 10 and then between 10 and 11 to then when i wake up at at uh 5 30 which i do now it um it doesn't impact me as much and then by then you kind of like flip it a little bit you wake up that early um you do some writing you know it could be half an hour it could be 45 minutes an hour like whatever it doesn't have to be like you need five hours before work or something you know you just something and um just let it snowball um and then by the time the next day comes around and it is 10 11 o'clock at night you're like naturally tired and you want to go to bed anyway you know what i mean and if that type of thing doesn't work for you then figure out um some we all have we have to all have 24 hours in the day right we all have different responsibilities family responsibilities work responsibilities and other people are able to get it done so which means that you can too like nobody's situation is completely unique in the sense that they can't you know schedule their time in a way that would be would benefit them you could block out for yourself uh you know 30 minutes a day or 30 minutes five days a week or whatever it is even if it's on a saturday okay let's say saturdays you sleep in or something and wake up at 11 wake up at 10 30 and write for half an hour or sundays or you know whatever sunday's night sunday nights between seven and eight you know cut out you know give up fucking iron iron first it sounds whack anyway give that one up and <laughs> and write for an hour whenever that whenever you normally watch that shit and like it has to be you have to balance it that way 
but definitely I would want to like see more of that. And that would be like my advice, I guess, like my take on that. Not that you really asked for it, but <laughs> there it is anyway. <laughs> and lastly, do you have any advice for other writers or creators, new, seasoned, or otherwise? And Eileen wrote, spend time traveling. Inspiration will come. I absolutely agree with the whole traveling thing. I think the more we experience and the more inputs we get, um, the better it is for us. It's like uh, taking an ammunition that we use to like explode within our creative selves. Uh, the inspiration will come. I agree with to a certain extent, but as long as we're not only waiting for inspiration to come, as I pointed out, like with the last question, it's kind of like we got to like meet it halfway type of thing and don't just wait on it. And um, that's pretty much it. That is Elaine's feedback. Elaine Almonte. Thank you again. Elo B. Very, very much. Really appreciate it. And um, anybody else that wants to wants to give some feedback on it, hit us up. You guys know how to reach me. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Best friends, kid sister, aka Elaine, aka Cole, aka Miss Montana, aka Ah, aka What up, though? All right, that's enough. Um, well, folks, that wraps up episode number seventy of the Spun Today podcast, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. If you want to stick around for a couple more minutes, I'll tell you guys how you can help support the podcast in a couple different ways. And if not, feel free to check out the next episode in a couple weeks or any of the back catalog episodes that will always be available to you for free and for your listening pleasure. There are currently now 69 other episodes, 69 other episodes of me rambling and talking shit the way I'm doing now that are available for you guys to listen to whenever you want on demand. You demand it, and you have it. Anyway, alrighty. One thing that I would appreciate for you guys to do is sign up to the Midday Monday Boost Letter. Why not? Everybody fucking hates Mondays. Nobody likes Mondays. But I figured out a way how to make Mondays a touch better for you and everyone else. Sign up to the Midday Monday Boost Letter at spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and you will receive the very next one and what it is is a small email that contains five things a photo of the week from a dope photographer that i found on instagram a podcast of the week that i found fascinating and i wanted to share with you guys a video of the week a quote of the week and a word of the week who wouldn't love that Again, sign up for it at spuntoday.com. It's 100% free. If you don't like it after you get a few of them, feel free to unsubscribe at any time. And, you know, you won't get bombarded with bullshit. Um, You'll get this email once a week at noon. The Midday Monday Boost Letter. Subscribe at spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. Next, fill out the questionnaire. Like the questionnaire that I just read um, that Elaine filled out for us. And I will 
read your responses and, and share your input with the other listeners of the Spun Today podcast and give you a shout out on the podcast. It's a free way to plug your own blog or website or podcast or whatever you have going on. It's a win-win. Uh, check out the photos on my website at spuntay.com forward slash photos. I'm a, aside from being a wannabe writer, I'm also a wannabe photographer. Go figure. And I post some photography on my website, which is all downloadable for free. And it's cool shit from trips that I've taken, as well as just sites around NYC. Uh, check it out if you're interested. And if you happen to want prints of any of that uh, photography, if you want to print a poster or a frame that you can, you know, print and frame and hang up on your wall, go to created, C-R-A-T-E-D.com forward slash spun today. The, uh, a big way that you can help support the podcast financially without it costing you a dime is to do the shopping that you normally do on Amazon, iTunes, uh, etc. But do so by going to my affiliates page and using my Amazon banner. Now, what that is, for those of you that don't know, the way it works is you would go to my affiliate links page, which is at spuntray.com forward slash affiliate links. And there you're going to see an Amazon banner. It's going to, you know, like a little Amazon advertisement looking thing an iTunes one as well. And what you do is you click on the Amazon banner and it takes you to Amazon's website. Same exact way as it would um, when you type out, you know, www.amazon.com. And then you do your shopping like you normally do. You add stuff to your cart and then purchase them. And Amazon gives me a cut or a percentage of whatever it is that you purchased. And it doesn't come out of your side. It doesn't increase your purchase price or anything like that. It's a cut from their end of the profits just for driving traffic towards their website. And it would not work, for example, if you, let's say you click on my uh, Amazon banner and you have a whole bunch of stuff like in your cart because you've been saving it in your cart throughout the week and then you purchase it, it won't work that way. So you have to go from my, my, uh, my website, from my portal and do your shopping from scratch. You can't be like storing shit in your cart and have it work. So that's the only thing, I guess, but whatever. If you shop on Amazon, you can do so by and support the podcast at the same time. So why not? Uh, there within my affiliate links page, you'll also see, like I said, the iTunes banner works exactly the same way. Click on it, takes you to iTunes, buy your music, buy your iBooks, whatever it is that, that you do. And uh, you can support the podcast in a very similar way. In my affiliate links page, you'll also find links to my viral style store where you can buy Spun Today mugs and uh, Spun Today t-shirts that uh, I've designed and put up. And um, what else? My Patreon page. If you guys check out my Patreon page, um, it's uh, much more detailed. Then I'm going to be here, but pretty much go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash spun today, or there on my affiliate links page, it will tell you what Patreon is and how it works. And pretty much it's uh, you choosing to donate to the podcast, either a dollar per show, $5 per show, $10 per show, whatever it is you want to donate per show, um, which for the record, I put out two shows per month. And that will help support the podcast, obviously, financially. And you get something back with every 
uh, level or tier of donation that you choose to patron whether it be a shout out on the podcast and a limited edition uh spun today bookmark fancy fancy or unlimited free copies of books that that i put out uh, digital copies of books that i put out etc so check it out there's four different tiers of of donations available and it would be greatly appreciated another way that is paramount to anything else probably to help support the podcast is do so by rating and reviewing it you guys listen right if you guys enjoy it which i assume so if you continue listening to it then rate and review it just fucking click rate and review it's like literally right next to where you press play i think on most like podcast apps you could just click fucking rate and review whatever and review it i'd appreciate it it helps the podcast gain traction and it helps other people find it basically the more people rate and review it the more people the more it rises in the ranks and people notice it that much more and you could put other people on i'd appreciate it purchase my book which is available it's called make way for you i mentioned it earlier you can buy it in paperback format on amazon or uh, you can purchase it wherever ebooks are sold like kindle ibooks etc uh for more on that book and what it's about and what's in it and stuff like that go to spuntoday.com forward slash books and check it out for yourself there's some free audio excerpts there that you can listen to uh, with some cool motivating like music in the background and shit like that um as well as uh the book blurb and stuff like that you can find that all that stuff there continue checking out the youtube page uh the uh, the Spun Today uh, YouTube page, rather, where you can listen to this podcast in segments, not just like in its entirety. Uh, you can listen to like little clips of it um, on there, and it's pretty cool. So check it out. They're probably more digestible that way for, for those of you that enjoy a smaller format. And the full episodes are also available on YouTube as well. So pick your poison, folks. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Spun Today or on Instagram at Spun Today. Subscribe to the YouTube page that I just mentioned. I'd appreciate it. And like the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm done whoring myself out and doing the uh, housekeeping here to keep the boats afloat. And with that said, folks, episode 70 of the Spun Today podcast is in the books. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.